You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Lucy Kellison. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Later in the program, the League of Women Voters of Bloomington and Monroe County hosted a candidate forum for Indiana House Districts 46, 60, and 62. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have some recent prison-related news and announcements from the producers of KiteLine, our public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. But first, your local headlines. At the Ellettsville Town Council meeting on September 26th, Councilmember Scott Oldham introduced a request to the council about the Youth Sports League Oldham explained that the league has asked the town to take on the responsibility of the league by forming a new league. Um, We have been asked uh, by concerned folks um, to basically form and run a youth sports league, basically mimicking the current youth sports league that is undergoing some trials right now and some some tribulations. And um, they think, and I'll be honest with you, I think, I want to thank Jimmy Thinks, um, that this is not only a appropriate place for the town to be involved, uh, but I think it's needed. Uh, if you look at the history of that organization, as well as it's done over the years, and it's done magnificently over the years, it has been a very rocky road for them. Uh, it has been a very rocky road for a number of parents, a uh, rocky road for kids. Um, I think it's time. Um, I know it's time, at least in my mind for the town to step in and be supportive and work in combination with the school corporation in combination with the township trustee and work toward making this a league that will be here 50 years from now because the town in cooperation with the other entities have moved forward together uh, to to better the community. As we continue to grow, um, we continue to experience a, a wonderful influx of new families, kids. Um, I think all of us up here, majority of us up here have had kids that played down there some cases, in Jimmy's case, right after baseball was invented, he played down there. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 1955. There you go. Um, it's just, guys, it's that point where it's, it, in my mind, is the town's responsibility for the betterment of all of our youth um, that we step in and through the Parks Department, which Jimmy has shepherded for years, um, and Mike is making sure it grows. Now this is the time that we need to step in and run these programs. Councilmember Dan Swafford said he had not heard enough from the Youth Sports League or the school board to be sure that they truly want the town to take over the league. In response, Oldham invited the superintendent of the Richland Bean Blossom School District, Dr. Jerry Sanders, to speak. You know, it's been a great joy to be part of this community. Uh, because I could name um, a number of examples where the school corporation has partnered uh, with some entity of the town 
uh, for the, the sake of the, the kids. Uh, the police department with our school resource officers and the fire department and police department uh, holding uh, table talks uh, to talk about safety issues, uh, the town itself. So I could just go on and on. Um, you know, um, I've seen it before uh, when parents don't have confidence uh, in the community sports leagues, they're gonna go somewhere else. And, uh, and I think that's what would happen here. I think it's just very important uh, for the town to support the parks board uh, overseeing our youth sports leagues because it would give confidence to our parents. Uh, we would keep our kids involved in local sports uh, that would inevitably help support our, uh, our high school uh, sports. Uh, that's why our, our girls and our boys basketball coaches have already been involved in uh, trying to work uh, with uh, the, the people who, who uh, are looking to uh, take the, the youth sports leagues in this community to an, another level. Uh, because uh, our high school teams need uh, a strong feeder system to be to be successful. Um, so I'm just here to support uh, the Parks Board uh, overseeing the youth sports leagues. I think uh, that there uh, are many more benefits to that than there are risks. And like it's already been said, uh, the playground out here is an example that you know, that's a risk. Uh, we all assume risks. We're assuming risks when we open up our facilities uh, to, uh, to the, these uh, different sports leagues. Uh, so that's inevitable, it's just part of it, but we take those risks uh, in the name of our kids and making sure that we provide the, the best opportunities for them. I know it's a tough decision. Uh, all your decisions are tough. And uh, believe me, working with a school board, I know, the, the, you know, what you, what you have to go through to make tough decisions. But for me, uh, in the school corporation, to me, this is something we definitely need to, to move forward with. Swafford asked what Sanders's role would be in the league. Sanders said the school system would help the Parks Department by offering up their facilities. We would uh, use our facilities, um, open up our gyms, um, and... and and support the league, uh, the parks board that way. Uh, like I said, using our, having our basketball head girls and head bas boys basketball coaches uh, working with uh, the parks board and the, the coaches who would be coaching in the league uh, to make sure that, that everything aligns properly. So they will use your facility for the basketball, correct? Yes. Okay. I know there used to be another gym in the old elementary. Is that gone or? We use uh, the two gyms at the primary school and the intermediate school. Okay. Appreciate we, your we time. We would be open to other, uh, we would work with, we want to be equal partners also. I think when you have partners, you have to step up and if they have a need for an, another gym or whatever, we would certainly entertain working with, with them to get that done. Council Treasurer Sandra Hash reminded Swafford that the board initially came to the town council asking them to make this change. 
Next, a volunteer with the Youth Sports League, Noel Conyer, spoke in favor of a partnership with the town and the league. I'm coming as a parent and a current volunteer with the Ellisville Youth Sports Group, and I do believe that the town and the partnership would be great. The Ellisville Youth Sports, I am not on the board, but I volunteer. I'm, I go to several of the meetings, and they're moving forward. They're getting everything in order. There's a lot of volunteers, and there's a lot of excitement, and I think it would build the confidence back up to partner with the town. I think it would be really... The current issues I know for our family that we're having personally with like the Monroe County Football League, if we could play in Ellettsville, it would be amazing. If we could have that support from the town because there's the only league around here for football is Monroe County Youth Football League. And it's has its own issues that you can't even try to address those. And we are in the process of hopefully trying to build a football team for Ellettsville for our kids to play here because it is important. I volunteer with the basketball. My son plays basketball. He's playing baseball. You have the parental support. We just need a little bit of, with between the school and the town, it could be amazing for Ellettsville. It really could. And having you'll have that parent advisory board where you have the volunteers. You you will have the support that you need. And with the liability, like right now for basketball, we're carrying our own insurance. So if that's, I mean, there is money coming in. I know that that is a concern, the liability issue. It can be a good thing. It really can. And I know a lot of the parents didn't come because they didn't, it was late notice and there's still games and stuff going on for baseball and football practices and stuff. but. There's a lot of excited parents, and I really hope that the town would consider a partnership because it could be really good. Ellettsville resident Ron Van Niever spoke in support of the town taking on the Youth Sports League. I have a grandson playing in fall ball. He's also playing in basketball coming up. I am coaching him. And uh, this program has been awesome. It's taken off. We've got great leaders. I went to a volunteer meeting the other night. And to be honest with you, from what happened at the last board meeting, they're ready to walk on. They're ready to move on without you. And I don't want that because I think the town of Ellettsville, with the parks board and me being on the parks board, I believe the program will be, it's like one basketball coach came to our meeting, volunteer meeting. He says, you know what this organization can do for us? It can draw in kids that we can't get a hold of right now for our programs in the high school and the junior high. It's gonna build our high school. It's gonna build our community. It's gonna draw people here. So we need to get on board with this and move on and stuff. And yes, the board members have been at meetings. They have been present. And they have furnished all the paperwork that, ha that has been asked for. So just move on. That's all we're asking. Thank you. A former mother-daughter league player, Valerie DeWar, said that she was disappointed the council was focusing on the what-ifs instead of trying to help the community. I'm probably one of the oldest people so. who played in this youth with group with the mother-daughter league when I was in junior high school. 
And so, yes, it's been going on, and I'm glad, but I think it's time to move past it's always been this way. I'm concerned that what I'm hearing, and, and I realize that our board has to think about a lot of things, but I have not heard a lot of want to be a part of our community's growth. And I, I wonder if you are using the hurdles here to avoid moving forward. Usually, if you want, you work on moving forward and then take care of the hurdles as they come instead of spending all the time with what if. I've been sitting in on these meetings now and I can't remember how many months this has already gone. And if we are truly going to get on board with having our community grow, having Envision Ellettsville be a part of, of all that we have to offer and we've agreed to be a part of that as a town, then it's time to do so. And if you're concerned about how, take the leap and say, yes, we will, and then go find another town that already does this and look at them as a template. Van Ever added the change would allow any child who wants to play the ability regardless of whether or not they can afford it. The Richland Township trustee has really made one thing very clear to this organization, that every kid gets the opportunity to play. Three kids across the street from me can't afford to play. Their dad's working three jobs. Their mom's working two jobs. They still can't afford to play. But this organization has opened the door up with the help and the following of the trustee to get these kids on board. They've got them tennis shoes. They've got them ball pleats. They've got them baseball mitts. A lot of this stuff was donated from IU Indiana University. It's there, the help is there. But I wanted to make sure that was clear at our parks board meeting that no kid is gonna be turned away from this program. Thank you. Town Marshal Jimmy Dernal said that he spoke with the board and they want to go through with this and need to soon due to the basketball season starting. Envision Ellettsville member Dan rarely spoke, saying that according to the Envision Ellettsville surveys, the community wants more parks and recreation opportunities. We took a survey, um, an extensive survey, and uh, the people that responded to the survey, one of the top things they wanted was parks, trails, recreation, stuff for their kids to do. And uh, I've been to most of these meetings. I remember there were basketball coaches here and other coaches here that were asking us to do this. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't really understand uh, what the holdup is because I think that the town needs to take control of this. And uh, I, I, people that I saw here that were, I don't know if they were current board members or if they were wanting to be board members, but they were parents that were involved in all this and they were wanting this to happen. And so I would just um, encourage you to get on with it, like Valerie said, and uh, take control of this. And uh, there's going to be problems with anything you try to do. And we're uh, all smart people. You can figure out how to overcome these problems. Ellettsville resident Gary Hash spoke, saying that the sport in Ellettsville made a huge difference in his life. I, I have no dog in the fight with this one, but I will tell you, I grew up in Ellettsville. I love this town. When I bleed, I bleed red, black, and white. Um, and reality for me is I grew up in a trailer park. 
And you know what us kids did? Because I hear us talk a lot about, well, what's this formality and what did this board say and what, what, what's the insurance thing? And I get that. Those are all things that you guys deal with because you've got the expertise now, which is great. But I don't hear a whole lot about, if this is about the kids, I, I've not heard a whole lot about the kids, you know? And, and if it's truly something you want to do for your kids or other kids, then, then like the other fellow said, or the, the gal said, you could find a way. But I know that when I grew up, we had nothing to do, you know? So guess what? You know, my best friend ended up in prison. My parents got me in sports. Sports in Ellettsville made a huge difference in my life. So I'm just saying from a personal standpoint, the idea of helping kids get into sports, no matter what it takes, is a big difference, not only in just what they do or they can stay out of jail or stay off of these guys as a, a format, but also in, in what they do in life. It can make a huge difference. Sports today, Gary Anderson, my wrestling coach, and to this day, I, I, I credit him for me going to med school, you know, because of all the stuff I learned from sports. So my point is in all this stuff, I just want to say no dog in a fight. I got no political agenda on any of this stuff, but reality is mm -hmm. sports can make a break a kid and really change the environment and what people look at when they come to old school. Council member William Ellis thanked the public for commenting and told them that they had changed his perspective on the matter. The council voted unanimously to direct the Parks and Recreation Board to form and run a youth sports league to seek and identify those individuals as part of an advisory board to run the day-to-day -day running of it. The council will direct the Parks Department to take all necessary action they feel appropriate to continue to run a youth sports league in the future. The council will make a final vote on the 2023 budget at their next meeting on October 10th. Last Thursday, the League of Women Voters of Bloomington and Monroe County hosted a candidate forum for Indiana House Districts 46, 60, and 62. Indiana House District 46 is currently represented by Republican Bob Heaton, who will face off against Democratic challenger Curtis Cummings in the 2022 general election. The district encompasses areas from Ellettsville to Terre Haute. Republican Peggy Mayfield represents House District 60, which spans parts of Monroe and Morgan counties. The incumbent will run against Democrat Kathy Throop in the upcoming election. House District 62 is currently represented by Republican Jeff Ellington, who announced he wouldn't seek re-election in the general election. Democrat Penny Githens faces off against Republican Dave Hall in the bid for the District 62 seat. The League of Women Voters invited all the candidates to the forum. However, only Curtis Cummings and Penny Githens participated in the forum. Curtis Cummings said as a first-time candidate, he feels strongly about not accepting corporate dollars to fund his campaign. I decided to get into politics because I believe that we should get big money out of politics. I do not believe that corporations or PACs should... Um, I'm so sorry. I don't believe that corporations or PACs should actually have any say in what our state legislature um, does in terms of representing ordinary Hoosiers. And unfortunately, that's been going on a little too long. And um, that's why with my campaign, I've made a promise to not accept any type of corporate PAC uh, money whatsoever. Penny Githens talked about her experience as a Monroe County Commissioner and how that informs her campaign. I'm Monroe County Commissioner Penny Githens and a candidate for the Indiana House of Representatives in District 62. 
Being a county commissioner is a is a challenging and a fulfilling position, but I'm running because there are issues that I care deeply about, things that I can't work on as a commissioner. These are things like better support for public education in our rural schools, expanded treatment for those with mental illness and substance use disorders, reproductive rights, pay equity, increased childcare options for hardworking Hoosiers and a lot of other things. But having served as a county commissioner, I also know what a deep responsibility it is to be an elected official. And I take that obligation very seriously. So I look forward to sharing some of my accomplishments and legislative goals with you this evening. And I hope to convince you that I'm ready to get started on the day I'm sworn in. Thank you. Moderator Sonia Learcamp asked both candidates what they believe the government's role is when it comes to regulating carbon emissions. Githens responded first. I think there are things at the state level that we could be doing very quickly. I would love to see us develop a commuter rail system in and around Indianapolis, especially, but throughout the state as a way to help reduce carbon emissions. Um, I think that we could be doing some very low cost things like declaring certain lanes on our highways as high occupancy vehicles lanes. Um, that just is a matter of a little bit of paint, I think. Um, I also would like to see us reinstitute uh, net zero net metering, um, which I think it was unwise to take away. Um, we could be providing incentives to businesses and to local, um, well, to individuals um, to install either wind or solar power. So there are a lot of things that at the state level we could be doing to reduce carbon emissions. Then Cummings answered what he believes the government's role to be when tackling the reduction of carbon emissions. Well, I think that the federal government um, certainly has the ability of kind of leading the charge on this, but we can't just rely on the federal government to do that. The state level governments need to take it into their own hands to uh, provide incentives for things such as uh, electronic vehicles, hybrid vehicles. My wife and I just purchased our first hybrid vehicle, and I absolutely love it. Um, nothing like having 38 miles per gallon um, in the city. And um, it, not only are you reducing the carbon footprint, but you're also creating jobs. And uh, these are good paying jobs that are in that that technology uh, sector. Um, there's a lot of really great technology coming out of um, Purdue and Crane that deal specifically with large capacity batteries that could uh, theoretically one day even power trains by having essentially large batteries as part of the locomotive. Um, I agree with Penny as well that I, I, you know, I've looked at solar for my own home and for my business. And I think that um, the the work that was done to unravel uh, net metering was largely due to, um, you know, big money in politics getting in the way of uh, advancement and protecting our environment. Githen said she believes the state government should do a better job regarding public funding for education. First of all, we don't we don't fund it nearly well enough. Uh, we need to bump that up. We also need to, I think, start to provide universal pre-K for all four-year-olds. There's a real problem right now, and there's a sort of a dearth of childcare available to families. And we know that there are families who are not back in the workforce because they can't find good quality pre-K for their, their kids. Um, 
I have a master's in public in um, educational psychology. And one of the things that really bothers me is that we keep testing kids throughout the state and we have no measure on reliability and validity of those tests. And so while we increase their stress levels and the teacher's stress levels from what we're doing, um, we've never examined whether or not these tests are the kinds of things that tell us what we need. I also would like to see us, if we're going to test, use those as a way to improve the educational outcome for each child as he or she is tested. So that if a child is doing well in reading, but not in math, we take that into account with the kind of, of math instruction that's offered to that child. Um, so I I also think that um, we need to provide different kinds of funding or additional funding to rural schools. They have different costs when it comes to transportation. And we also need to make sure that we're offering the kind of education that people in rural areas want with farm-facing programs. Cummings provided his view on the legislature's role regarding public education in terms of quality and funding. The legislature drives the ship. It sets the tone for what we're communicating to our educators, to our administrators, to our school psychologists and support staff. If you're not getting the support of the state legislature, then I mean, there's a reason why we have so many open education jobs right now. And it's a culture-based problem. And that culture starts at the state level. It starts with our elected leaders. That just just full stop. Um, it's I I have a lot of friends that are that are educators. Um, I work within the schools in my capacity as a volunteer casa uh, uh, here in Monroe County. The we are not providing the funding or resources needed to take care of our kids, and burnout is a symptom of not being heard. Burnout is a symptom of not feeling um, that your position is taken professionally. And that's what I've heard from educators. And that is something that the state, uh, that at the state level we have to get behind. And as a father of a soon to be five-year-old, um, I agree wholeheartedly with Penny that um, childcare is one of our family's largest costs. And, um, I feel that for those families that um, you know are marginalized or do not have the resources, yeah, it it makes life much more difficult. Githens described what she sees as major social and racial inequities facing people in Indiana. She explained what she would do to address them. Oh, there are inequities in oh so many things food deserts, education, maternal and child health, uh, access to health care. Boy, the list is kind of long at this point, <laughs> access to transportation. Um, I think think the um, with the passage of Senate Bill 1, one of the small things that was done was to say, we'll put a little extra money into maternal child or maternal health, um, but that's just going to be a drop in the bucket so that I want to see a lot more put into the kinds of programs that make a difference. Another thing that I'm really big on that I think also cuts across a lot of social and, and racial divides is um, the stigma and the lack of treatment for mental illness and substance use disorders. And so 
those things need to be dealt with in a very down-to-earth, pragmatic way. When I was growing up, there used to be a, a whole system, a, a network, as it were, of hospitals for the treatment of people with mental illness. I don't want to go back to the old way that we treated people, but I would really like to see a greatly expanded treatment system for people with mental illness and substance use disorders. Cummings gave his point of view regarding social and racial inequities facing Indiana. He elaborated on what he would do to address them. I would say that one that I see over and over again, especially in our community, would be that of affordable housing and single family homes. I think that it's become even more difficult to attain that American dream to own your own home. And I, I see it with service industry workers. I see it with people of color. I see it with um, those who are wanting to immigrate to our country. I, the state has the ability of making it easier for people to like there are plenty of people out there that would be a great homeowners they could easily afford it they have well they have good jobs but the but the existing credit system that we have the 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 requirements that are set in place from the state level from the federal level make it really difficult and for what folks are paying for an apartment they could be paying less for a single family home. Um, and I think just get, uh, gaining access to that and making it easier would be one of my top priorities. The candidates addressed a litany of issues and topics facing the state, including the state budget, gun control, reproductive rights, climate change, and more. To watch the full candidate forum, please visit WFHB.org following this broadcast. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information at mpisolarenergy.com.